Let's get into the text here. Again, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Last week, we started here in chapter 3, and we saw Paul starting, uh, you know, at this last chapter of the words, finally. And we talked about how even though it's just the final exhortations and encouragements here, it doesn't make him any less weighty than the first chapters of the first epistle that all god's word is given by the inspiration of god is to be rightly divided and so forth and remember as he uh spoke to them in these first few verses um he was he was encouraging them to pray to pray that the word of the lord would run swiftly in the midst of all the opposition that they were facing and we went through and we recapped you know, the book of Acts, when the church was founded, how immediately there was opposition to the point where Paul had to leave town. And then in this young church, there was already, uh, it seems from the context, people that have been martyred for their faith. There was a continued opposition to the point where, again, remember that false doctrine began to be spread that they had missed the rapture and were left behind. And some of them began to give uh, you know, credibility to that because they're like, there's so much persecution going on. This sounds like description of, you know, at the great tribulation. And so in the midst of all of that, Paul was giving them instruction to be a people of prayer. Not all have faith. There's unreasonable and wicked men. And so pray, the word of the Lord will run swiftly. Pray will be delivered from these unreasonable and wicked men. And we talked about the day we're living in today. Listen, there have been more people martyred for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in the last 100 years than the previous 1,900 years, you know, added up. There's places all around the world where there are people incarcerated. There are people that are losing their life for their faith in Jesus Christ. And we see an increasing hostility to the things of God, even in our own country, even here in the Western Hemisphere, the northern part of that. I mean, it's tragic, some of the things that are happening in Canada, our neighbors to the north, and so forth. Just a spirit of Antichrist. So absolutely, we want to heed that instruction to ourselves. What can we do about all this? Because sometimes it seems overwhelming. He says, pray. And so we talked about that call to prayer, and praying fervently. Now notice here, we come to verse 3, and he starts, uh, you know, the next thought that goes along with this by saying but the lord is faithful and this is so awesome and we're going to talk about this a lot this morning the faithfulness of god there's unreasonable there's wicked men they want to come against us paul says pray will be delivered there's these oppositions to the word of the lord running swiftly there's trials there's tribulations we looked at all those various things talked about in these letters to those in thessalonica but despite all of that Despite of what's going on, what will go on, and so forth, the Lord is faithful. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And it's, it's one of my aims that you leave here this morning. It is grilled into your heart, but the Lord is faithful. A, B, C, and D, but the Lord is faithful. E, F, you know, the, go through the whole alphabet, but the Lord is faithful. And we're going to talk about that. That is just the, the, one of the wonderful truths that Christians can hang their hat on at every turn. No matter what, you know what it says in this column, but the Lord is faithful. And so we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to see some specifics here. The Lord will be faithful to establish you, to guard you from the evil one. And then we'll see Paul praying that the Lord, who is always faithful, will direct their hearts into the love and patience of Jesus Christ. So a lot of really good things for us here this morning Let's read verses 3 through 5 and then dive into this. He says, But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. 
Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. So again, throughout these letters to these in Thessalonica, we read about hindrances, afflictions, sufferings, trials, unreasonable and wicked men. Again, things opposing the gospel, things opposing the word of God, things opposing them as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse three, but the Lord is faithful. Again, but the Lord is one of the greatest truths in the world and the word of God that a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ can confidently hang his or her hat on at every single turn. Let me ask you, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Can you say amen to that this morning? Then listen, there's going to be this, there's going to be that, there's going to be the other. You know what I'm talking about, right? No matter what it is in your life, there's going to be stuff that's going on. Things going on in the world, things going on in our nation, things going on in our community, in your workplace, in your family, in your home, in your physical being, in your life. And if that's all there was, all those things going on, this, that, and the other, the bad, the difficult, you could even say the blessings and the good in that. But if that's all there is, we would be in big trouble. Because listen, long term, there would be no hope. We would be destined for defeat. We would be destined for destruction. And so you can put whatever you want in this column over here, but praise God in Jesus Christ, we can stand in what's this column. I'm making up columns up here. And, and what's that? But the Lord. But the Lord. Listen, no matter what is going on in your life this morning, no matter what trials you're going through, tribulation, no matter what is worrying you this morning, does anyone, is anyone here worried about anything? I, I got a feeling that there's a few people that are worried about something. No matter what is going on, we can rest but the Lord. But the Lord, listen, is on the throne and the Lord is ruling and reigning on high. Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. No matter what is going on in your life, if Jesus is your Lord, your Lord is on the throne, your Lord is reigning over all of it. From the number of hairs on your head to you paying your mortgage next month, to whatever else is going to unfold before you our god is on the throne the lord is faithful and nothing will ever knock him off of that is that not good Amen. listen no matter what is going on this that and the other but the lord has loved us with an everlasting love he demonstrated it and while we were still sinners he sent his son to die for us when we were in rebellion and we read in Jeremiah 31, 3, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with love kindness, I have drawn you. No matter what is going on, the Lord is faithful and he has loved us with an everlasting ongoing love. Get that into your heart this morning. Listen, no matter what is going on, but the Lord will never leave you. The Lord will never forsake you. If he is your Lord, he will never leave you. He will never again let you out of his sight. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And maybe this morning you are tempted to fear things other than God Almighty and giving him reverence. We need to remember again, he's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. If God is for me, 
Who can be against me? What can man do to me? Man will say, I'll do this, that, and the other, but the Lord. But the Lord is going to go before me. And whatever even is done to me, the Lord will use it for his glory and for my good. Again, no matter what is going on, we can rest. But the Lord is faithful to his word. He is faithful to his children at every single turn. And we also have the promise of him returning for us. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Our Lord is faithful at every single turn. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast this confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Maybe you're wavering in your confession. Maybe you're wavering in your hope this morning. We're told, do not waver because the Lord is faithful. As he says here, but the Lord is faithful. And we need to rejoice because he is even faithful to us when we are faithless. Though we have faith in him, there are times when we do not walk in our faith, do we? There are times when our life looks faithless, even though we do have faith. And we read in 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And this is so good. This is why in the next verse here, uh, Paul says, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. Our confidence is in the Lord because the Lord is faithful. He doesn't say our confidence is in you, though there's some places where Paul says, hey, we're confident in you. But the context is we're confident in you because you're in the Lord. So ultimately our confidence isn't in you, but it's in the Lord working in you. And we need to rejoice in that this morning. We've seen throughout our study, and we've touched on some of this recently, the Lord being faithful when men of God and people of God were not being faithful in their walk. I mean, Peter, we talked about him recently, how he fell to that place where he was fearing the, gent- or fearing the Jews, and so he disassociated himself with the Gentiles. And yet, the Lord was faithful to send Paul to him to correct him. And we can go back farther with Peter. He denied the Lord three times. And we know as a follower of the Lord, he wept bitterly about that. You know, that usually is an indicator of someone that really knows the Lord and someone doesn't when they are faithless, when they walk in sin. It's not like water off a duck's back. It affected him. It grieved his heart. But as he wept, the Lord was faithful to him and that he sought Peter and he found him. And the Lord absolutely brought a restoration to him in his ministry. The Lord was faithful to Peter when Peter was faithless. Think about Paul and Barnabas before this missionary journey to Macedonia and then eventually to Thessalonica in that missionary trip. Paul and Barnabas had a big falling out beforehand, yet the Lord was faithful to both of them to go before them. Think about those in Thessalonica. Though we'll see this morning they were doing, and he says, I'm confident in the Lord you will do our commands. They weren't necessarily flourishing in all of them. Remember, they had gone and they had moved from resting on the promises of God about obtaining the glory of Christ, and they begin to believe that lie they'd been left behind. They missed the resurrection of Christ, and yet the Lord was faithful to them to move Paul to pen this letter to assure them of their salvation, as well as to pen it for our benefit as well. And to us, his children who believe in him, each and every day when we practically fall short, the Lord will be faithful to us over and over and over and over and over again. 
And we need to get it into our mind, get it into our grill, get it down into our crawl. But the Lord is faithful. I love 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not only faithful to forgive us, but also faithful to clean up the mess that comes with that sin. And I'm so glad that, that, that we get both of those blessings. Because there's a lot of messes made practically, right? And, and parents, you know what I'm talking about? You know, other people, you, you, you work or around people that make a lot of messes. Maybe you're the mess maker. I don't know. But mess is made. And sometimes people make a mess to violate someone else. And sometimes that someone else forgives that person for making that mess. But someone still needs to clean up the mess. And I'll tell you, sin is something that is messy. And not only does the Lord forgive us, he's faithful and wanting then to come in and cleanse and clean up the mess as well. The Lord is faithful. That's who our God is. And listen, we need to praise him and rejoice in his faithfulness. Can we say amen to that this morning? Not only is he faithful, but listen, he is always perfect in his timing. And he is perfect, again, in the unfolding of his faithfulness. Now, we're going to see in a minute here in verse 5, Paul praying for those in Thessalonica that the Lord may direct their hearts into the love and patience of Christ. And see, patience... Is, is, is something that we abound in when we understand and we are confident in the faithfulness of our Lord. Because the Lord is faithful, you know, on an ongoing basis. I mean, you know what? He is faithful to sustain us. He's faithful to go before us in Christ. But there's a lot of times when there's promises that are given to us and so forth that we need to wait for the unfolding of them to happen. And have you noticed in your life and have you noticed biblically that we serve a God that it seems he loves letting the game going down to the fourth quarter all the way down to the last few seconds. You're down by two. You kick the ball out to Jesus and he sinks in a three-pointer and you win by one. And you're like, why can't we just have a blowout, Lord? The Lord is always faithful. Why? Because he's stretching us in that. And he's faithful every quarter and every, you know what, every step, every dribble along the way. But again, his timing is always perfect to grow us. And we want to rest and grow in that truth, knowing that the Lord is faithful. It helps us in our patience because, again, his timing is always going to be perfect. It's like Noah. He tells him a flood's going to come. Come, Noah may be thinking, you know, well, that's going to happen real soon. 120 years went by, but the Lord was faithful. He tells Abraham, come from Ur of the Chaldeans to a land I'm going to show you. I'm going to make you a father of many Look at through you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. Abraham gets to the place where he's 99. His wife is, uh, I believe, 90 at the time. They can't even bear children anymore, and yet the Lord brings a miracle. He revitalizes her womb so she could finally have this child when he's 100 years old. The Lord was faithful, though, in his perfect timing. Even, even, even despite Abraham trying to make that promise come forth himself with Hagar. You know, oh, Lord needs my help in it. He doesn't need our help. Think about Moses. At 40, it came into Moses' heart to, you know, go to the children of Israel. It came into his heart. The Lord wanted to deliver the Israelites. Now he went about it again in his own way. The Israelites weren't ready for that. He gets driven out of Egypt. He's on the backside of a desert for 40 years. He's thinking, well, yeah, I remember that. That came and went. Yet at 80 years old, the Lord came to him and said, now it's time to fulfill that promise. Now I'm going to use you to get the people of Israel, my children, out of Egypt. But the Lord was faithful. And you think about Israel itself. 
The Bible speaks of them becoming a nation again in the last days. It speaks of them coming to this place during the great tribulation of all Israel believing in the Lord. And how long did it take for them to come a nation again? Over 2,000 years. Because really you could even say closer to 2,500 years because even when they came back in the land after the Babylonian captivity, they were still under the rule of the Romans though they were back in the land. So you could say 2,000, 2,500 years, but the Lord was faithful. And he's going to be faithful to you in all his promises. His promises are yes and amen. The Lord is faithful. And listen, none of this is new. None of it is nothing new. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know when he originally made man in the garden, you know what he had told man, if you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. Man listened to the lie of the serpent, wanted to be his own God, ate of that tree and was separated from God Almighty. He was faithless. And yet we see the faithfulness of God even in that garden. He went out and he sought Adam and he found him. And then he gave him a prophetic promise that his Savior would come through the seed of a woman, and though that serpent would bruise his seal, that Savior would crush his head. And we look through the corridors of the Old Testament. What is it? It is the promise of the Messiah to come, prophecy upon prophecy upon prophecy. He was faithful to seek man, to give him all those prophetic utterances, and then greater than all of that, he was faithful to fulfill those prophetic utterances and sending his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, taking on the form of a fle- of, 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 of man, again, the Son of God, as the Holy Spirit overshadowed that virgin, the Son of Man, living a sinless life, going to the cross of Calvary, taking the wrath to us, resurrecting from the grave, defeating death, the wages of sin is death, he defeated our enemy, that whoever, everyone, and anyone who would humble their heart and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. That's how faithful our God is. And listen, in Christ, he's been faithful to call you, to save you. He'll be faithful to sustain you. He will be faithful to come for you. And he will be faithful to always keep you. Notice John 10, 27. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And isn't it not good to know this morning that you're in the hand of Christ, that you're in the hand of the Father, and you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit right in the middle, the hand of the Son and the hand of the Father. Our God is faithful. Now we see him giving some specific promises. And there's many promises given to us in the Scripture. Here he says, though the Lord, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one? Now notice here he says, who will establish you? We got to understand in Christ, positionally, we are already established. The day is coming when we are going to go to be with the Lord and we will be established in glory with him. And while we're here on earth, the Lord is wanting to establish us in our walk with him. You need to know this morning at the moment that you genuinely put your faith in Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. At that moment that you called out on the name of Christ, when you really trusted in him, when there was real repentance involved of you saying, I'm turning from these other things, I'm turning from doing as thou wilt, I'm turning from what's right in my own eyes, Jesus, I surrender, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm putting my faith, my trust in you. At that moment, 
At that moment, you became a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And at that moment, you were established in the Lord as righteous before him, right standing with God, justified, washed, and saved. And this is huge. By grace through faith. Before that point, you were under the law of God, and the law showed you were a sinner. It shows that you were condemned. It shows that you and me, we were under the wrath of God because we transgressed God's law, and God's standard is perfect. It showed us we had not fulfilled the law of God, and we were wanting. And yet again, God was faithful to send his son. Jesus was faithful to come. Jesus was faithful to live a, a sinless life. And he went to the cross, even in the midst of men spitting in his face and hurling insults, in the midst of, again, the enemy coming against him, the Father pouring his wrath upon him. He went to that cross and, again, took the wrath due us upon himself. But he did it, again, as a sinless man taking on the penalty of our sin upon himself. He laid down his life, but because he was without sin, he conquered death on the third day when he rose from the grave and hear this when you called out to the lord you went from being under the law that damned you to being under the grace of god now being established having right standing with god almighty because now you're under grace now you're under the finished work of the lord jesus christ no longer positionally seen as a sinner but now positionally seen as a saint and listen that is good news it is wonderful news. We know that again, when we pass from this life to the next, we'll be established in heaven for eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Part of this epistle was assuring those in Thessalonica that that was the case. Again, we already touched on that, but someone began to spread the lie that they had missed the rapture, they had missed that resurrection of the Lord, and yet Paul is writing them, telling them that that's not the case. He's telling them, you need to stand on the word that was given to you that, again, when Christ comes, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air with the Lord, thus will always be with the Lord. And in verse uh, 14 of 2 Thessalonians 2, he says, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, so he says, he will establish you. We are established. We will be established in eternity with the Lord. Again, we'll obtain the glory of the Lord. That means we are going to have a body that is going to be a renewed body. Some say, oh, it's a new body, but actually it's not. It's going to be these bodies transformed to a body that is immortal, a body that is not affected by sin. Uh, you know, we won't even have a sin nature. The Bible says that Jesus is preparing mansions for him that will rule and reign with him forever. And greater than all that, listen, we will be with him forever in perfect communion with him and perfect communion with one another. We have that promise. We have that establishment waiting for us. Is that not, again, good news? And hear this. He also wants to establish us and is willing to establish us in our walks with him on earth even right now. As someone with faith in the Lord, again, positionally you're right with God. You're established in him. You have the hope of eternity. We will be established with him forever. And now he wants to establish us in him in our walks practically day in and day out. He wants to put you on a firm foundation. 
day in and day out, not someone tossed to and fro on the waves of whatever the latest thing is coming through. He wants to establish you in a ministry to his glory. He's given us all gifts. He wants to establish you in a fruitful walk where there's fruits of the Holy Spirit versus, you know, an abundance of the works of the flesh. He wants to establish you with a credible witness and a good reputation to those around you. He wants to establish you in a prayer life. He wants to establish you, again, in relationship. I know a lot of people say, well, I don't have religion. I have a relationship. But when you get down to it, a lot of those folks don't have religion or a relationship. They kind of just throw that out there as an excuse of don't talk to me about anything seriously. I got a relationship. I don't want any, you know, religion, which just basically talks about holiness or piety before God in its true context. Now, I know what they're saying about Pharisees and stuff, and we don't want any of that. But hear this, the Lord is wanting to establish you in him today, to mature you in him, to grow you in him, to take you from a babe in Christ to a, you know, a child, First uh, John talks about this, to, to a young person, to, to a father, a mother in the Lord, someone that is influencing and affecting others in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have this available to us, but we need to walk in it. Notice the context again of the text. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. Notice here, both you do and will do the things we command you. And practically, Paul could say, truthfully, the Lord's faithful. And ultimately, our confidence is in the Lord concerning you. But we know the Lord will establish you, and we can say that because you are doing what God has called you to do. And as you're doing what God has called you to do, practically, the Lord will establish you as you take heed to his word. Try to illustrate this for us. Let's just say that the greatest gym in the world is in Atascadero. Now, I know there's a bunch of gyms in Atascadero. Personally, I don't go to any of them. I lift weights in my backyard. Old school, baby. But listen, <laughs> we'll say the greatest gym in the world's in Atascadero. You have a lifetime membership. You have a VIP membership. Your name's written in that book. In fact, they even got a picture of you on the wall because you have a lifetime membership. You have access to all of the machines there, the pool, whatever, whatever's there. Again, this is a fantasy gym. Whatever they have, it's there. It's yours. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can come in whenever you want because you are established in it as a lifetime member and no one can take that away from you. But listen, if you never show up, will that do you any good practically? Yes, you can confidently say I have a lifetime membership there. But unless you show up and actually go to work, you will never see any results. And Paul is saying to them, the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. You are at the gym you are doing. And as you're at the gym, we're faithful. The Lord is the greatest trainer in the world. And as you're there abiding in him, he will establish you. But if you never want to show up, if you want to be a hearer of the word and not a doer, that's not going to establish you. And worse, if you're not a hearer or a doer, you're really not going to be established in him. Again, we go back to the epistle of James, James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. And notice what it says, this one will be blessed in what he does. There are blessings found when you practically get established in the Lord. Can anyone bear witness to this? Is this not true? I mean, verses before, when you didn't know him, or maybe you moved from that place of kind of being a carnal Christian, really not being concerned with the things of God, saying, I want to start getting serious about the Lord and abiding in him and growing in him. There are great blessings. Abundant life is found in that. Listen, we have life eternal. The Lord wants to bring abundant life The man who is a hearer and then a doer is blessed in what he does. Notice here, as he looks at the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. That goes back to that grace. We're saved by grace through faith. And then that grace gives us a liberty so that now we can walk with the Lord. We can abide in the Lord. We can abound in the Lord. We can grow in the Lord. We can get established in the Lord. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, I used to do that. I used to show up. For the sake of the illustration, to the Lord's gym. I used to, again, be enthused. I used to be abounding. I used to not only be a hearer, but I was also a doer. But for some reason, I've drift. And sometimes there's people that even sit in church week after week. They hear, but they never do. They never act upon things. They, they don't abide in the Lord day in and day out. Well, there's good news. Because the Lord, he's always, he's always there waiting. And you, you, could be a, you could be a thousand a million steps away, but it's one step back to say, okay, Lord, practically, I want to grow in you again. I want to get established in you. I love Proverbs twenty four sixteen. A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by the calamity. Again, the Lord's faithful. See, the Lord's faithful does. Even when we get away the gym, he doesn't say, well, I'm going to revoke your membership. Instead, he stands waiting. In fact, he'll even go seek after us. Hey, you 99 sheep work out in the gym. I got to go find bro. He hasn't been around. He illustrates that. He gives us that parable. This was going on in the church of Ephesus. Revelation 2, 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Is he talking about here losing their salvation? Lampstand's called to give off light. You're going to lose your witness. You're going to lose your place practically. You need to repent and do as you first did. Is he saying do what you did so that you're saved? No, he's talking to a church here. They were saved by grace through faith. But he's saying practically, I want to establish you. Listen, acknowledge it. Acknowledge you've gotten away from the love of Christ and get back to doing what I've called you to do so that your light can shine bright in this world around you. We also need to know again that we are going to give an account for what we do or what we don't do as a people that have the law of liberty and as a people that are under the grace of God Almighty. In 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, it talks about building our lives on the rock of Christ. And then it talks about, again, our works being tested by fire in the day of the Lord. It talks about wood, hay, and stubble being burnt, but gold, silver, and precious stones enduring that fire. And in verse 15, he says, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yes, so as through the fire. 
And I know, listen, I know oftentimes, especially for the carnal Christian who says, hey, I have that lifetime gym membership. I don't always go there. And when you say, listen, but you're going to give an account for your life and you don't want to have wood, stay in, wood, hay, and stubble on judgment day, you can even tell them that. And oftentimes it's not a big deal to them because they're just so caught up with the cares of this life. Like, well, I got bigger fish to fry. You know, I got stuff to do. Oh, the advancement of the kingdom of God, my guess, who cares? I'll just bury all that. Not a big deal. I have assurance, yeah, that stuff might, might be burned, but I'll be saved because I'm in Christ. And I think this is why the Lord talks about this in multiple places, to stir us. In Matthew 25, he talks about a master that has three servants. Now, this is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He gives one five talents, one two talents, and one one talent. We're familiar with the parable, right? The guy takes five, he invests, the master returns. He says, here's five that he gave me, here's another five. The master says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You are faithful and little. I'm going to give you charge over much. Same with the guy with two. He flips it, he takes two, brings back four. And then there's one guy with one talent. Comes back, he buried that talent. The master says, you're a wicked and lazy servant. And then in verse 28 of Matthew 25, he says, so take that talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. Newsflash, God's not a socialist. He didn't say, you only got one talent and you buried it. Where's that dude with 10? Give me three of your talents, I'm giving them to you. He says, take that talent and give it to the one with 10. But more than that, He says, and cast the unprofitable servant to the outer darkness. There will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Now again, this is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The context of the story is a master with servants. Those servants have a master. He gives them talents. Two of them invest those talents. They're getting established in the Lord practically. The other guy buries it, has nothing to show for it. And he says, take that talent from him, give it to someone else, and he's going to be in a place where there is a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. And that's an implying there's going to be great regret for those that said, I never wanted to go to the gym and bide in Christ. I was happy with just being saved, and I'm just going to rest in that. And again, that's a glorious thing. But he says here, there's going to be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. I don't know exactly how all that's going to play out. And I'm not going to pretend that I do, because I don't. But what I do know is that the Lord is saying here, there's going to be regret. The Lord is wanting to establish you. And even in that, he's wanting to bless you here in establishing you in him. Because there's no greater blessing than walking with the Lord, whether you're abased or abounding or you suffer hunger or you have great abundance. Paul speaks of that in Philippians 3. But one thing we need to take note of is that we are going to give an account, especially when the Lord is faithful and wanting to establish us. He also says here he'll be faithful to guard you from the evil one. And there's a lot of the same concepts here. Listen, there is an evil one. I know I run into some Christians and they say, well, there is no devil. That's just, you know, kind of a made up, you know, thing, an adversary of of kind of the, the, you know, the troubles of life. There's others that say, well, there's a devil, but he's bound up in hell right now because we're in the millennial rule of Christ. And I'm thinking... This does not work out. It looks good on paper maybe, but this does not work out practically and actually doesn't look good on paper either. 
1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The world is willfully under his sway. 1 John 5, 19, we once were captive to him. Ephesians 2, 1, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desire of our flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others we were once children of wrath we were under a sway by grace through faith now we are no longer in that place we are guarded from the enemy and that listen hell was made for the devil and his angels when man followed suit in their sin man became subjected to it as well that's why we need a savior but in christ jesus listen we are guarded from that eternal faith that is waiting satan we are guarded from hell we have eternal life we are guarded in that we have the indwelling of the holy spirit so we cannot be possessed by devils we are guarded in that he is subjected to the name of the lord jesus christ our lord and savior we are guarded in that he is limited in what he can do. We read the book of Job. He had to get permission. And though we are at war and he wages war, and though times God will use the enemy even to shape and mold us, and you can again see that in Job's life and Paul's life, we do need to know as well that we can give place to the devil. Again, he's telling those in Thessalonica, we're, you know, the Lord's faithful will establish you, will guard you. We're a confidence in the Lord that you're doing and you will do the things of the Lord. So he's talking here about believers that are abounding in faith. They're walking in the things of God. They're not in a place where, yeah, we're saved, but we're out willful in sin and we're seeking rebellion. Where we are saying, grace is so good, it's given me this license to sin. And listen, I got gym membership and then I can go do whatever I want. And yes, if you are in Christ, you are under the grace of God and you have freedom, you're in the law of liberty, all things are lawful, but again, they're not all profitable. Especially those things that break a hole in that hedge and give Satan a foothold in your life. Please read Ephesians chapter four. It talks about different things God has called us to turn away from, from anger to slander to, again, just fleshly rebellion against god and in the midst of all of that in verse 27 he says do not give place to the devil we can open up in our lives and our homes attacks from the enemy now the lord again wants to establish he wants to guard us not only positionally and eternally but he wants to have a strong hedge around us practically as well and he is still wonderfully faithful to us even when we get into these places. But we can open those doors for attack. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Another name for Satan. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in and walk among them. I will be their God, and these shall be my people. Listen, to, to, to uh, be yoked is a picture of, of, of getting under a harness with something else and walking with it. 
God says, I don't want you to be yoked up with sin. I don't want you to be yoked up with the enemy. I want to guard you from that practically. But if you give a place for the enemy, there's going to be an attack in your life. It's going to affect your home. It's going to affect your family. I counsel a lot of men about a lot of issues. It's kind of a ministry God's given to me. A lot of times, specifically, it's men with drinking issues, men with drug issues, men with violence issues, men with uh, sexual issues, and so forth. And one of the things I always counsel them, it seems like it makes a massive impact on their lives. Jesus said, you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Is when I say to these guys, listen, you got a wife, yeah, you got kids, yeah, you love them, of course I do. And I say, listen, would you ever... When you go to bed at night, leave the front doors of your house open and the doors to your kids' rooms open so anyone could come in at any time and do whatever they want to your family. Now everyone, oh, I'd never do that. And any man worth their salt wouldn't do that. They say, hey, we're going to have some borders around here and we're vetting who's coming in and who's going out. I tell them spiritually, listen, when you're participating in these things willfully, when you're making provision for them, when it's not a struggle but you're walking in it, you're making plans for it, you need to know you are kicking the doors of your house open and you're allowing demonic attack not only to come upon you but upon your marriage and upon your children and so on and so forth. And it's a very sobering, sobering truth. A reality that when we really understand, we don't rest against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, and we got a God that wants to, again, guard us, put a hedge around us, we are fools if we want to kick a hole in that thing and let a serpent come in and bite us, like it says in Ecclesiastes. Again, 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who may devour. Verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. Again, Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're guarded positionally, but practically we are in a war. And so we need to continue in the faith, getting established in him. Not getting yoked up with sin and the enemy willfully, letting that coming in and wreak havoc, and indeed it will. So again, God's faithful in these things. Let's allow him to do the work he wants to do. Verse 4, he says, And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. I love King James. We read out of the New King James. King James says, And we have confidence in the Lord touching you. Isn't that awesome? We need the Lord's touch. Again, even in doing, as he says, that you do and will do, the confidence wasn't in them. Oh, go do it. I have confidence in you. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that the Lord will do the work in you. So it's good. The Lord's faithful in all of it. And boy, when the Lord touches you, you've heard that phrase, a game changer. The game, listen, it ain't even a game anymore when the Lord touches you. Throughout the scriptures, man, he would just touch people and and their whole lives would change. And so on all of this, let's always put our confidence in the Lord. Never put it in your flesh. Put it in him. Grow in him. Look to him, the author and finisher of your faith. 
even in this doing. Put your confidence in him. Look to him. As we'll see here in verse 5 in a minute, he says, may the Lord direct your hearts. That's a prayer. Lord, direct my hearts in you. Let me put my confidence in you, my faith in you, my trust in you. Let me cry out to you. Let me abide in you because you'll be faithful. I'm, I know myself. Oh, I, I, I have, I'm prone to let myself down, to fall short, to be faithless here and there. But the Lord is always faithful. Paul speaks in Philippians 2 of having no confidence in the flesh. He says, we're not like those, you know, of the circumcision who put faith in their flesh, their, their actions. We don't put any confidence in our flesh. Our confidence is in him. In Philippians 1.6, he says, we're confident of this very thing. He who has begun a good work will be faithful to complete it. And I love Hebrews 12.3. It says, consider him who endures such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And in doing and planning to do, if you don't look to him, you'll become discouraged in your soul really quickly. But if you consider Jesus in it and you look to Jesus, you're going to find endurance even in the midst of hostility. Again, both that you do and will do the things we command you. The things they were writing were the things of God. These commands aren't burdensome, 1 John 5, 3. And beautiful, beautifully, Philippians 4, 13, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now notice here lastly, verse 5. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Now Paul prays for them. And you gotta pick this up when you're reading epistles, when you're reading the word. Again, there's instruction here, but there's a prayer here. There's, there's over 200 prayers in the Bible where it's people praying or it's an epistle written and, and the writer praying for the person. And, and we need to take heed of these things. These are things we should pray for. These are things we should pray for one another. This is a prayer that I pray often for our fellowship. So as your pastor, you need to know I've been praying this for you. I include myself too, uh, that the Lord will direct my heart but the Lord will direct our hearts collectively into the love of God and into the patience of Jesus Christ. And, and, and listen, this is not just about the love of God and the patience, but it's also about praying, God, you be the one directing us. Because there is always something or someone always wanting to direct your heart. Even when you're saying, I'm not going to let anything direct me, something's directing you. Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of, a li- of life. Some translations put it, above all things, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Who's directing your heart? A lot of people, a lot of spirits, a lot of things outside of Christ, our own flesh, that want to direct our hearts in manners that don't glorify God. But the Lord who is faithful, listen now, he wants to direct, to direct your heart. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Doesn't that not sound better? Lord, you direct my heart. Lord, you lead us. And how does he want to direct us? He wants to direct our hearts deeper into the love of God. Paul was praying according to the will of God in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, direct our hearts deeper into the love of God. The knowledge of how much God loves us. And not just the knowledge of it, the knowing of it, because we're walking with him. 
Listen, the more you allow the Lord to establish you, the more you abide in him, the more not only will you know scripture verses about his love, you will know it firsthand. To walk with him is to know and to be learning and growing and knowing of his love for you because they did. He is faithful. He is faithful. As we grow in the knowledge of that love, as our hearts directed deeper into that love, we're going to love him back more. It's a byproduct. We're going to love others more. It's that blessing that comes in hearing and doing the work of God, which again, he's the one that does the work. And then we'll wrap this up and it goes full circle. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Now I know a lot of people say, well, I don't want to pray for patience because I know how it's come. You know, it's not going to come in a good way. But patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That can come through trials, but patience is a fruit of the Spirit of God when we abide in Him, when we're governed by the Word of God. We're asking for that filling of the Spirit of God. I mean, you look at Jesus, He was so patient in His ministry on earth. He was so, He's so patient with us. He's patient in regards to his return, not wanting any to perish. And we need his patience. You know how patience really grows in your life? It really grows when you have assured confidence in him, and hear this, and his faithfulness. When you're really understanding, but the Lord is faithful, it does incredible things for your patience level. I can rest because my confidence is in God and God is always faithful. So I don't need to sweat it. And his faithfulness is always a perfect timing. I don't need to race ahead of him. God's going to be faithful. Boy, you race ahead of God. Nothing good comes out of that. When you're led by the Lord, green pastures await. Now, sometimes the, sh- the shepherds had to take him through valleys and so forth to get into that green pastures, but you know where you're headed. When your confidence in his faithfulness, again, your patience can grow with one another. We're called to be long-suffering with one another. Easy to get impatient with others, right? Talked about this a few, week- a few weeks ago. Just look in the mirror. You want people to be patient with you, that will help be patient with them as well. You get mercy, you get some back. But when you know the Lord's faithful, the Lord's even going to be faithful to do the work in this brother or sister's life. The Lord will be faithful. He said he's going to be faithful. Well, I guess I can be a little bit more patient myself as well. And God says, yeah, you better be because I'm being patient with you. Patient in our prayer life, not just, well, I prayed and nothing happened. How about praying through things? I'm going to seek God in God's perfect timing. Why? But the Lord is faithful. God will be faithful. Again, fulfilling all his promises. And again, concerning his second coming. The Bible talks about critics in the last days. Oh, where's his appearing? Things are as the first band. And it says they willfully forget he destroyed the earth with a flood. They get impatient. I think they get impatient because they don't know him well enough. God's going to be faithful and in his perfect timing. So get that in your grill, but the Lord is faithful. And as you get that, again, deep in your heart, it's going to grow you in patience. It's also going to grow you in the understanding of his love and the work that he's going to continue to do in your life.
Let's stand up and close in prayer right now. Oh Lord, we bless you this day. We praise you. And oh Lord, we do thank you for your great faithfulness to us, God. Let us never lose sight of that, God. And in fact, I want to pray, God, that this truth would be ingrained in our hearts today that the enemy of our soul won't come and God pluck these truths out as a Lord, a bird would to that seed that falls by the wayside, but instead this would get into the, into the, the soil in our heart, God, and it would be tilled uh, by the Spirit of the Lord. We would leave here rejoicing in your faithfulness. And at the same time, God, we would leave here with an unction, God, to, to not just be hearers, but active in what you've called us to walk in, knowing you'll do the work and you'll be faithful to meet us as we step out in faith, God. Today, if you don't know him, the Bible makes it really clear today's the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time to come to the Lord. The bad news has been presented. We are sinners outside of Christ under a law that condemns us to hell forever. Jesus talks about it more than he talks about heaven in his ministry that's recorded in the Gospels. But he laid down his life, did what you couldn't do. Kept the law at every point paid the penalty of your sin and my sin and the defeated the wages of our sin death that if you humble your heart and call on Jesus truly ask him to be the Lord of your life he will save you this morning and establish you even right now in the Lord Jesus Christ under his grace for eternity call on his name he will meet you where you are at we praise you today God we bless you Pray, God, that we could finish, Lord, well here collectively worshiping you in spirit and truth. Let's praise the Lord. Seated above, in the Father's love.
you in the Lord Jesus Christ.